Welcome back. 55-year-old Patrick Brady returned to his Lansing, Illinois home after working his usual eight-hour shift at the Inland Steel Company. Patrick shared the... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A home located on 181st Street with his 14-year-old foster daughter, Gloria Sullivan, an 8th grader at Calvin Coolidge School. When Patrick arrived, he noticed a loud sound coming from within the house. As he approached the front door, he realized a radio was blaring inside. Patrick made his way into the kitchen, where he was met with a nightmarish scene. Gloria lay on the floor, her body riddled with wounds. She had 14 wounds in her back five in her chest, and one at the base of her throat. You can do your part to help spread awareness for this case by clicking the share button beneath this video. You can even leave a simple comment below so that YouTube can give the case a bit more exposure on their end as well. And while you're down there, feel free to hit that like button and subscribe so you won't miss any of the other cases I'll be covering in the coming weeks. Gloria was found fully clothed in her house dress, with curlers still in her hair, and thankfully showed no signs of being taken advantage of. Two items were used to commit the attack. One was a paring blade that was found broken off at the handle. The blade was later discovered wedged in a crack in the hardwood flooring in the kitchen. The other, a long butcher's blade, was found lying nearby. Patrick was able to confirm that both blades were from the kitchen drawer. Investigators found no evidence that a robbery had taken place, and the house was in immaculate order, and $200 in cash was found undisturbed in a jar in the kitchen. The front door of the home was unlocked when Patrick arrived, and it showed no signs of forced entry. The back door was still locked. Aside from the murder weapons themselves, police also found several other pieces of evidence. A red palm print was found on the bathroom washtub basin. Next to the basin was Gloria's hairbrush. The hairbrush was found to have had long blonde hairs entangled in the bristles, and this hair didn't match Gloria or Patrick. Though police can't say for sure that this piece of evidence is related to the crime, and honestly, I doubt it is, police soon noticed a red fingerprint on the wall, as well as towels that had been stained red as well, proving that the criminal must have cleaned up before leaving the scene. It was at this point that police needed to piece together a full picture of Gloria's life in order to thoroughly investigate the situation. Investigators learned at the age of four, Gloria, along with one of her older sisters, Theodora, were placed in the care of the state. Their biological father, Clarence, had abandoned the family, leaving the girl's mother, Viola, to care for the children on her own. Sadly, Viola found herself unable to do so, and the children were placed in the state's care. Only a few weeks later, Viola passed away. Theodore was placed in the care of a family in Chicago, leaving Gloria alone in state care. Patrick and his wife took Gloria in in 1935, so she'd been living with them for about seven years at the time of the crime in 1943. They'd attempted to legally adopt her many times, but because they were unable to locate Clarence, the adoption process could never be finalized. Sadly, in 1941, Patrick's wife passed away after a fight with cancer. 
Gloria continued to live with Patrick, taking on the role of housekeeper, as well as being the go-to babysitter for all the neighboring families. She excelled at school and, by all accounts, was an intelligent and happy girl. Investigators began by establishing a timeline of Gloria's last known movements, and it was learned that Patrick had left that morning at around 8 a.m. According to him, Gloria had asked for money to go shopping, and he'd given her some and then left for work. It was learned that at 9 a.m., Gloria phoned a friend from school, 13-year-old Dorothy Whitig. According to Dorothy, Gloria asked if she wanted to go shopping for new Easter outfits in nearby Hammond, Indiana. Dorothy agreed, got dressed, and hopped on a bus to head to Gloria's house. Around the same time, a local laundry delivery service dropped off a load of clothes at Gloria's house. The delivery driver, 37-year-old Howard Dozier, was questioned. However, he was quickly released when police learned that a neighbor had talked to Gloria after he'd made the delivery. An elderly neighbor named Viola Tobin had walked across the street at 9.30 a.m. to retrieve a vacuum cleaner that she'd let Gloria borrow. According to her, nothing appeared amiss at home, and Gloria was acting like her usual self. By 10.20 a.m., Dorothy arrived at Gloria's house. According to her, the screen door on the front of the house had been locked from the inside. She knocked on the door for nearly five minutes, receiving no answer. Dorothy attempted to look through a window, but claimed that she could not see inside because the curtains were shut. She told investigators that she didn't remember if she heard a radio playing inside at the time, as was later reported. Investigators believed that because the screen door was locked from the inside at this time, Gloria's killer may have been inside when Dorothy knocked. After that, Dorothy left the home taking the 10.30 a.m. bus to Hammond, approximately 10 miles away, to go shopping alone. A credible witness came forward, claiming to have seen 52-year-old Clarence Sullivan, Gloria's biological father, on a bus in the area around the time of the crime. Police immediately focused all of their attention on Gloria's estranged father, Clarence. According to Patrick, in 1935, he learned that Clarence was living in Kentucky. He attempted to make contact with him so that he and his wife could legally adopt Gloria. However, they never heard back. Detectives located Theodora, Gloria's older sister, for questioning. And Theodora, who was now 20 and living in Chicago, claimed she'd not talked to Gloria in nearly eight months. When questioned about her father, Clarence, she denied having any knowledge of his whereabouts. While police continued to search for Clarence, investigators located Gloria's diary. Inside, they found nothing unusual. However, they did note that Gloria said that someone had tried to flirt with her recently. The unidentified person was questioned. However, his name was never revealed publicly, and he was never named as a suspect. The town of Lansing, Illinois spared no expense, giving the police department a virtual blank check to help fund the investigation. Unfortunately, even with the constant promise of a quick resolution and the additional funding, Gloria's case quickly went cold. Clarence, who investigators called their prime suspect, was never found, and in 1950, he was declared legally dead. According to his friends and family, Gloria's murder took a heavy toll on Patrick. For the next four years, he made frequent stops by the police station to inquire about the status of the investigation. However, they could provide no updates. Sadly, Patrick passed away just four years later of a sudden heart attack at work. Gloria was laid to rest on April 7th in St. Mary Catholic Cemetery. Scores of fellow students, neighbors, and members of the Brady family all attended the funeral. Next to her name, Patrick asked for one specific word to be inscribed on the stone. Daughter.
Nearly 80 years have now passed, leading one to believe that the murder of Gloria Sullivan will most likely never be solved. But that's the video for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider sharing, subscribing, or clicking that blue join button below to really show your support for the channel. But I've been Ty Knotts. You guys have been lovely, and I'll catch you in the next video.